up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. How's your spring? It's been a rainy day. I think it's supposed to be raining tomorrow. A couple nice days and then some more rain, which is fine. It's about time everything greens up. So yeah, uh, this weekend, actually, I, I put in another zone in our uh, sprinkler system for like a drip system to water all of our hedges, shrubs, other plants on the side of our yard up front. Good for you. Which involved like way more trips to Lowe's and Home Depot than I care to think of, but that's fine. Dude, seriously. I went to Lowe's three times last Saturday. Yeah, that was my weekend. I think I, I, I hit Lowe's three times in Home Depot once, which actually, honestly, Home Depot is my preference. For some reason, Lowe's just had a better sprinkler bits and bobs selection. I don't I don't like that phrase, but I'm going to stick with it. How are your sprinkler bits, Phil? Uh, we don't have a sprinkler system in our in our new house here. I wish we did because it did not rain this April here. It was weird. We had, I think, like one day of rain in April. And so now, you know, we're well into May and hoping for good things. Certainly hoping for good things. But it's not in the forecast. Like, I, I've never seen anything like it. There's like a weird drought going on here in South Carolina. So I've been doing a lot of hand watering. Uh, of course, we've got our pollinator garden up and running, and that's doing really awesome. But it's taking a lot of water. And I'm sorry, Chris, I don't think we're going to do a vegetable garden this year. If we are, it's mostly just going to be herbs because we've got a busy summer. Uh, <laughs> I've got we've got a few things on deck. I don't, know, I don't know if anything you've got going on coming up here, Phil. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm too tired. Yeah. At the point that this episode comes out, I'm sure you will be. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. No no sprinkler systems here. I did hang some curtains this past weekend, and that was fun, which is really kind of a chore that I enjoy. Oh, I don't know if that's something I enjoy. No, it's, it's, like, it's <laughs> but difficult to get started, but once you're in the zone. So maybe I wasn't in sprinkler system zones, but I was in curtain hanging zones, and it seemed to do okay. Well... Do you enjoy your new curtains? Yeah. So now that we've got these blackout curtains up, it not only darkens the room, but it also muffles the room. And we we just watched a movie in there the other night, and it was like these amazing acoustics off of my laptop computer. It was pretty epic. He actually even said, this would be a great place to record a podcast. I was like, yeah, if you, you know, didn't have a sleeping baby and a sleeping wife in the room, it would be a great place to record a podcast. Oh, well, congratulations. Oh, on, thanks. On the, on the sleeping wife. Yeah, she's she's doing great. She's, you know, going to bed at a decent hour, waking up at a decent hour. So Ashley is doing really, really great. I still haven't told anybody, so. Like you haven't told anybody that you're having a kid? Not that this is getting put in. Like I'm genuinely curious. So my daughter had a play date. And she, with our next door neighbor, and she told their kid and their kid told her parents. And I think we're pretty pissed off. Have you guys just not left your house? So like they just haven't seen how pregnant Ashley is? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I think they're pretty ticked. They definitely don't listen to this show. So So that's fine. Well, Phil, maybe you can take them as like a makeup gift, a batch of cocktails. Oh, that's a good idea. That's That's the best idea you've had in a long time. 
And you've had some good ones. Just like in our last episode, butter makes everything better. I think cocktails make everything maybe more better. Especially when you add butter to them. Yeah, actually. Like a hot buttered rum. It's getting hot outside, Chris. Need a little something to to get me going. I might make a daiquiri. I thought you were going to say something like uh, an old-fashioned or a martini, Phil. But, you know, since you completely, 100% randomly brought up daiquiris, I suppose we can talk about them. Hey, why not, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, honestly, I do think a daiquiri is, is a really interesting cocktail for a lot of reasons, Phil. When you think of a daiquiri, like what instantly comes to mind? I'm going to answer your question. With a question. Are which, we which Phil? Are we talking exactly? Are we talking <laughs> like, you know, pre podcast Phil? <laughs> Let's go with that, Phil. Let's start with that, Phil. <laughs> All right. So it's typically red. It's gonna be pretty cold. So cold in fact, it might look like a slushy because there's a thing called a strawberry daiquiri. And I can't lie, they're delicious. I had one once when I was like 14 years old. And um, I, re- I really liked it. That might be the last time I had a strawberry daiquiri. I'm not going to out whoever gave me that thing. But yeah, it's, it's something you get at 7-Eleven more or less. But that's not what a daiquiri is, Chris. That's not the daiquiri that you wanted to bring to the podcast. No, no, Phil. Yeah, the frozen blended daiquiri is, I think, probably what a lot of people might have in mind when they think of a daiquiri. You know, something that's overly sweet could definitely be labeled like a chick drink, which whatever that means. But yeah, something that's that's really pretty much like a, a super, super sweet slushy, like a dessert slushy. Uh, but no, that's not at all what the daiquiri is. So actually, the daiquiri itself has been around for a while. Doesn't quite have the longevity that something like an old fashioned has, Phil. But um, I think it's largely traced back to kind of the turn of the century. There was an American engineer down in Cuba running some iron mines down in and actually daiquiri Cuba. And his name was Jennings Cox. It was it was about like 18, somewhere between 1898 and 1902 that he kind of came up with this drink recipe. And like, honestly, the origins of it are pretty varied in telling. There's a lot of debate as to like really how he came up with it. Some people say that he had some American friends visiting and he was out of gin, didn't want to serve them like a dry rum, so came up with a cocktail. Other people say it had to do with like the rum rations that they have for the iron mine workers. But I think most of the stories kind of land on him coming up with the cocktail around the turn of the century. Did you ever see the movie Rum Diaries? Or maybe it's just The Rum Diary? Did you ever read the book The Rum Diaries? I didn't. Okay. Uh, yes, I did. I did. I did see the movie, I think. I think. I definitely read the Johnny book. De- Johnny Depp, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just makes me think of that. Kind of like around that same era. I think he was a little bit later, obviously. He was more like 60s, like Cold War maybe, but definitely like some geopolitical stuff happening. Yeah. Some good Hunter S. Thompson. Mm. Well, yes. I think it's a really interesting like introduction to to rum and and honestly even the history of rum. I think you can approach a lot of that through the, the daiquiri. Actually, the daiquiri was really like it originated at the same time as the uh, Cuba Libre, which is you know like a, like a rum and coke more or less with some lime. And you know the daiquiri didn't make its way stateside for like another decade or so. There's a guy, uh, Lucius W. Johnson. He was, he was a medical officer on a, a U.S. Navy ship, the USS Minnesota. And their ship stopped in Daiquiri, Cuba. He came across this drink. 
absolutely loved it and took the recipe stateside and, and really introduced it to a lot of different kind of bars and clubs up in like the New York area. It kind of gained some traction there. Honestly, it didn't really take off until Prohibition times. It started to come into its own a little bit. There, there are a lot of books that talk about it. And even, you know, uh, David Embry, who we brought up in the cocktails episode, he wrote about it a, a fair bit. And he actually listed it as one of his, you know, core cocktails. That's one of the reasons that I thought it would be a, a great one to bring up, but also because like it's really the the prototype for a sour. And I was really surprised to see that David Embry has that on his list because again, I think what most people think of as a daiquiri is just flat out incorrect. I mean, if you think like like if you're going to come up with a list, okay, like what are the what are the most basic cocktails? What are the what, what are the genesis of what all these other cocktails can come from? If a daiquiri is on that list, probably what you're thinking of, oh, okay, so like all frozen drinks come from that. Anything that you would have at a resort is going to come from that daiquiri. But yeah, it's so much more complex than that. And sours are probably one of my favorite things in the world. So I, I, I'm on board with this guy. I'm on I, I'm on Team Daiquiri for show. Yeah, no, like I definitely had all of those preconceived ideas before, and since learning about it, I think it's I think it's a really interesting and just kind of light, refreshing, enjoyable drink. Kind of in the way that you know, in our last cocktails episode, we were we were talking about the martini and about how Manhattan is really, or actually maybe maybe technically. Martini really is a Manhattan because I think the Manhattan maybe came first. Which is but, just mind-blowing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. But yeah, I, I think there are a lot of drinks that fall into that same type of relationship with a daiquiri that the Martini and Manhattan have. So maybe first we can talk through what a daiquiri is. I don't know if you remember our, our initial cocktails episode. Embry has this like sour ratio that he really stuck to in my research for this episode i probably should have gone back and listened to that episode but i didn't so i, I don't think his is my personal favorite spec for a daiquiri but for sours in general he just kind of had a, a starting point of a five to one ratio so like five parts of your base spirit two parts sour and one part sweet. You know, in a daiquiri, that might look like two and a half ounces of a light rum, a ounce of lime, and then a half ounce of simple. I think uh, you can adjust some of those ratios to make it a little more balanced. I think my preference is to maybe tone it down a little bit, do like two ounces of two ounces of rum to say like a half ounce of lime and maybe a quarter ounce of simple. And, and you can adjust those ratios if you like it a little bit sweeter. You can add a little bit more simple. But one of the things that I think is interesting, and again, this kind of calls back to the martini episode, is that a daiquiri should be shaken. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that I feel like we missed in our martini episode was the place of the cocktail shaker in your uh, home bar. Like what, what cocktails should you shake? Should you shake any? Do you have well, a cocktail shaker? you should. Yep. We got the very, very basic... Stainless steel looking tinny thingy, and like the, it's got the strainer built in. 
And it's got okay, a so little like, like a cobbler two ounce up top. It's yeah. a cobbler, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I have one of those, and recently got like a, a Boston shaker set. I think I actually enjoy that a lot. It feels a little bit more sturdy, like some like good weighted shakers. You know, in in our martini episode, we were talking about the difference between we were, we were talking about Bond and his shaken and not stirred, and those debates. Sure. There are a lot of arguments for a martini really being stirred and not shaken, but. Like I said, we didn't really hit the reasons that you might want to actually shake a drink. So like, how have you typically made, say, like even just like a whiskey sour in the past? So I obviously do like a good, love a good whiskey sour. They're delicious. And I would I would shake that in my cobbler with, you know, your, your whiskey of choice, uh, a lemon sour and some simple, pretty, pretty basic sour. Yeah. So definitely shaken. And definitely shaken. I guess the, the 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 key element here in a daiquiri or a whiskey sour uh, or any other type of sour that you're making is the fact that you have a fruit juice in it. So our kind of like template daiquiri recipe being a couple ounces of rum, a half ounce of lime, quarter ounce of simple, something along those lines. You have that fresh squeezed lime juice. It has some pulp in it still, and to really get it integrated throughout the whole entire drink, that takes a good shake. So things that have fruit juice, things that have egg whites or like some type of cream in them, all of those are going to be better off shaken. So like really what it comes down to is, do you really need a little bit of extra help to integrate all of the ingredients together? Then it probably needs to be shaken as opposed to stirred. Otherwise, stir away. That is like the preferred and probably better for the drink option. And even like the frothy result of shaking can really be quite lovely, especially if you're using like an egg white in your sour. Yeah. Yeah. And well, kind of that, that brings up another technique where oftentimes you'll hear of people doing a, a dry shake before they shake with ice. So like you kind of make up your drink and you put your shaker together with no ice in it, give it a good shake that starts to introduce air, creates that frothiness, incorporates your ingredients, throw some ice in there, and that chills it. Another like interesting option is to do a reverse dry shake. So it's kind of like a reverse sear where you're working with ice first, and then you strain out that ice, and then you shake it without ice. And that, you know, some people argue, gives you a little bit better overall kind of foam or froth to your drink. And there are a lot of other techniques that people swear by and start to incorporate, whether it's like a single large cube in your shaker instead of smaller ice, or even like uh, a lot of people pull the spring out of a Hawthorne strainer. So uh, there's like two main types of strainers. There's like a julep strainer, which looks like a slotted spoon, and then a Hawthorne Mm -hmm. strainer, which kind of has like this big spring around it and then kind of sits on the top and strains out your ice. And it's got Mickey ears on it sometimes. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll just pull that and throw that in there for the dry shake. And it kind of like acts as an extra agitator, almost like that uh, little ball at the bottom of your like yeah, smoothie, I remember those. smoothie shaker thing. We had one growing up that my dad used to use to, to make ranch dressing. <laughs> and it had like a little ball in the bottom of it. And it was, I mean, it, it like literally said ranch dressing on it. Like it was purchased for a ranch dressing. Okay. Anyways. Alrighty. Well, maybe you can find that, steal the little ball, and get extra frothy whiskey sours full. Or just make a whiskey sour out of it and be like, hey, dad, you want some, some salad? Dressing? Yeah. Okay. So with a daiquiri, obviously we've got some fresh squeezed lime juice, so we're going to shake it. Sometimes you might want to double strain that, but that's that's getting that's getting a little fancy. We're splitting there, hairs so. at this point. Yeah. We're, we're getting 
that's next level. But what you get out of that is what is really a daiquiri. You know, it's something that's that's light and cold and refreshing and it's it's well balanced. It's not overly sweet. You have the lime coming through. Everything is in balance and it is just like a, a great refreshing cocktail. So I think I think it's like a, a far cry from the, you know, super sweet from a machine slushy style daiquiris that you might get at Chili's or I don't know, at the random place on the strip. Like an airport Chili's. Yeah, yeah. Wait, are there are there other chilies still? I think there are chilies close <laughs> yes, down here. Yes, I think here. there are. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a long time since I've seen a chilies. We still service them here as customers. Yeah. We've got two of them. Obviously, our podcast is not sponsored by chilies. Right. But if it were, it would have to be an airport chilies. <laughs> I'm okay with that, actually. So, yeah, I mean, the daiquiri, it's a, it's a great, interesting drink. Really, it's the template for a sour. And from that... Kind of like, you know, the Martini Manhattan, you can come up with a whiskey sour, really just subbing a couple of things like you sub whiskey for your rum and lemon juice for your lime juice. There are a bunch of other like really interesting drinks. Honestly, like like feel like a Tom Collins is love them is like a sour with a little bit of seltzer topping it. So kind of the same idea. You're just subbing a couple of those core ingredients. Uh, a bee's knees is the same as well. Instead of a simple for your sweetener, you're you're doing honey and gin. I think there's some great other variations of, of sours. Have you ever had a New York sour? I don't, I don't think I've even heard of them. That's interesting. It's, it is literally like a whiskey sour with a dry red wine float on top. Whoa. Yeah, super interesting drink. But I think maybe the most famous variation or riff on a daiquiri is a Hemingway daiquiri fill. And those things are absolutely fantastic. And if it's not the most famous, it should be the most famous. Yeah, so the Hemingway daiquiri is basically just like a normal daiquiri, except it has six toes. Exactly. exactly. No, but it takes, it takes a grapefruit finish right grapefruit juice as your as your acid yeah i think you're actually aren't you splitting grapefruit and lime are you you probably are yeah and it uses maraschino which is a little bit like a like a cherry flavored right how would you describe maraschino uh yeah so it's one of those things that's kind of funny especially with the pronunciation because i think most people think of it as maraschino i feel like in the cocktail world i hear maraschino but yeah it is like a cherry based liqueur it's a specific type of cherry that it is derived from so it's, it's kind of cherry flavored it's a little sweet and it's got like a little bit of a funk to it especially if you're using luxardo it's it's got a it's got a taste. I think it tastes like almonds, if I'm being honest. So, Phil, all of that brings me to, I guess, maybe the most important question of the episode. What's your favorite Hemingway book? Uh, I'm going to go with The Old Man and the Sea. I know it's a novella. It's it's short, but it is so well written. That's fine. And I did say book, not novel. So I can't, it counts. Right. Okay. I can't stop falling asleep or like hoping I'll fall asleep and dreaming about lions. And I've, I've yet to do that, so maybe I'll read that again. But also, Farewell to Arms is pretty amazing. I have a super old copy of The Sun Also Rises that I scored off Amazon for like $3. And it's like published in like 1947. <laughs> I don't know how I ended up with that one, but that's like probably my most prized possession in life. So I, I might go with The Sun Also Rises just because I love that book. Yeah. I mean, that copy of that book. Well, I, th- I think that's actually probably my favorite. Yeah, it's so funny. Like yeah, it has and, some humor to it. And it just like is, to me, it's like so evocative of a mood. I don't know. Just when I think of the book, I think of like 
summer in Spain and there's just this like golden light and warm feeling. I don't know. There's, there's such a sense of, of place and, and Brett Favre. Yeah. I, I love how that book does such a good job of paying dividends to the lost boys generation. You know, it's, it's just, I don't know. There's so much respect in that book. I do have one question. Yes, I've got so. one burning question. If, okay. if a Manhattan is a martini, or rather a martini is a Manhattan, then is a margarita a nope. daiquiri? That's something. I feel like it could be close enough. No, no. No, I think there's there's one key difference there, Phil. Dearest Phil Lip. Oh, you know, one, one, there... one, one thing I forgot is a daiquiri is garnished with a lime. That's part of yeah, the Yeah, like recipe. a lime wheel, right? Or a lime wedge. You can go with a wedge. Okay. And I think the not interesting twist, thing though. there is, no, not a twist, like an actual piece of fruit, so that you can control the level of tartness in your drink. So if it's too sweet, oh, just clever. give it a little uh, squeeze of the lime, um, which you can do with a margarita as well. But I don't think that a margarita is a daiquiri. I think it's it's a lot closer to something like a sidecar or a daisy. A daisy might be the kind of like prototypical cocktail that both of those are based off of, but it's definitely more in the sidecar family. Okay, interesting. I guess I might have to brush up on sidecars. I just feel like there's it could bridge the gap because a margarita is kind of like a sour. Kind of. I, th- I think, Phil, I think we might have to wait for uh, our next cocktails episode to really dive into that. Fine. Closing thoughts, though? Every good margarita has to have egg whites. Just saying. That sounds weird. No, it doesn't, Chris. No, it doesn't. You sound weird. It's delicious. 